Welcome to the Heavenly Banquet, where the hungry are filled with good things. I'm Charlotte. I'm Chad. Chad, we're going to talk today about a subject that you and I keep bringing up um, because it interests us, but also mostly because I think it frustrates us that more Christians aren't, I don't know, yelling about it all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I mean, this is such a gosh, I know it's cliche to be like, this is a, this is a trying time or an unprecedented time. Yeah. Everything's uh, unprecedented. Yeah. And there is so much to address as far as um, social justice and other disparity and sorrow and terror in the world. Mm-hmm. So good for getting out there and preaching and teaching around all of those manifold issues but in the midst of all of that, the earth is dying and uh, we are trashing and or have trashed the home that we've been given by God. Yep. Yep. And there's part of me that's like, I, I wonder why every sermon, every teaching every moment doesn't include mention of that. Um, Although maybe we've gotten to a place where we would just feel so helpless about it. Well, it does feel helpless kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. You know, there's a way in which we could just put like 30 minutes on the clock or, you know, give each of us five minutes on the clock to just rant (laughs) around it. Um, But let's enter in because we're good little Protestants, let's start uh, maybe from a scriptural point. How about that? Which is something that's been referred to um, as the dominion mandate. So this is uh, Genesis 1. I'm in verse 28. So God, this is the first creation story. I just love saying that so that some people might open their little books um this is the first creation story so god has just created humankind and then it says god blessed them and god said to them be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth and this historically in the western world at least you know, has gotten transformed into we can do whatever we want with anything here because God gave it to us. It's our dominion. It's our dominion. It's our realm of control. Yep, and influence, right. And then somehow that meant it's okay for us to trash the place. (laughs) Which is absurd. Which, yeah, I mean, immature at best, you know, if it's like, no, you get, no, my parents gave me this car. I can break it if I want to. Yeah. Like, okay. Um, Yeah. That's just bizarre to me. So it seems like one of the issues with this passage, you know, are those words dominion, Mm -hmm. subdue, which sounds like not just ruling but like dominating Dominating. in a way that's i don't know maybe speaks of some violence you know around it of it's destructive ravaging the earth and taking from it what you want or what you need without regard 
to the rest of the ecosystem or even the rest of humanity. Right. right? Because then we're going to, you know, keep reading and it's God saying, see, I've given you every plant yielding seed that's upon the face of the earth and every tree with seed and its fruit. And you should have them for food and to every um, beast of the earth and every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth, everything that Mm -hmm. has breath of life. I have given every green plant for food. And, um, and then that's the end of the sixth day, let's say, but this idea of, you know, God has spent all this time creating earth and has created it at least let's say in the context of this first creation story uh, as a kind of theater for humankind. Yeah. Yeah. As like, and now it's time for the real actors to come onto the stage. And then it's like, and, and here you go. And then to think that what God meant by that was to just tear into things. <laughs> <laughs> it's so absurd, but yeah. And to start like just grabbing <clears throat> and smashing, right? Yeah. Because uh, the assumption, at least on my world, is that at this perfect first creation, this God's plan, whether it's the first creation story or the second creation story, it seems in my mind like God has created this absolutely perfectly balanced ecosystem, right? I mean, mm-hmm. almost like I think of a terrarium sort yeah. of thing. Like it can sit, it would be self-sustaining and fine, yeah. you know. And then what did we do? <laughs> yeah. And um, gosh, maybe that's even more of the story of kind of the disruption around the tree and what we refer to as the fall as being the first reaping of the thing that doesn't belong to us and that starting to break the ecosystem down. But um, what's so odd to me about those readings or people who use this uh, dominion mandate as an excuse to, you know, over over drill for oil and crack and all of these kinds of things. Right. We have dominion. We can do it. Why would we assume that the dominion that I have wouldn't model or mirror in some way what I understand of God's dominion? Right. right? There's one person, (laughs) there is a king of kings and a lord of lords and all of that regal language that sometimes is a little, but there is a sovereign that we claim to worship and that being does not rule in this way right at all right exactly god brings creation into being out of nothing it's purely creative it's a gift and then gives us some space to do something and we're like ah that means i can do whatever i want and misuse it or misusing it doesn't matter Right. Yeah. Right. It's like like children who've been left alone the first weekend in the house. Yeah. <laughs> Trash the place. So that passage is used to justify just. Yeah. So even the idea of subduing, mm-hmm. let's say subduing nature as a, you know, uh, folks understand that as kind of of overtaking nature of right you know going into the natural spaces the rough places let's yeah. say cut down and, all the trees <laughs> uh-huh and cultivating of, them 
Yeah. Well, I was going to say instead of cultivating. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why I said cultivated. (laughs) But I mean, I, I would contrast that to cultivating and living within the context of nature and Right. Living, living with it instead of against it, or as it, uh, it's there to serve me, that that's the problem. That creation is here to serve me and whatever right. I want mm-hmm. versus me being a part of it. Is, it. is that? Yeah, I think the part that gets lost is this other part of us being completely dependent upon nature, too. <laughs> it's not yeah. just the place where we live, but the place where we get our food, yeah. you know, and so and the interdependence is written into this dominion mandate, right? So it seems like, yeah, okay, we have dominion, we've been given a particular charge in relationship with creation. Yeah. But it seems like Okay, things are working fine right now. Can you keep them working fine? <laughs> it's a different idea. You know, yeah. I mean, even the idea of subduing something in in order to do something like that, in order to have even dominion or rulership over something else, you have to understand that thing, mm-hmm. right? If you're going to, if we're looking at actually nurturing it and caring for it, you know, I mean, if you're going to train a dog, you have to have some knowledge of dogs. Right. You're not going to talk to it in complete sentences, you know, as a puppy or, um, but you have some idea of what its instincts are, what it wants to do, what's right. good for it, what's not good for it. Um, and this is just like a long human history of like, thanks God, we'll take it from here <laughs> and just destroying it. Particularly what, in, in the West and in the Christian West. Yes. Um, it, it's strange because I think in the scriptures we have plenty about how creation is good, about how all of creation is waiting for the revealing of the children, that creation has a part in the whole process. It's mm-hmm. not just, you know, there's a tendency to look at Christianity as all about humanity, but it's not. It's about all of creation. Right. God is the creator, this generous gift of life and being and space and time and existence. It's all there for us to have what I would consider an appropriate relationship with the land, with water and so on. But we Mm -hmm. traditionally Christians really haven't made that connection. I guess what I want to say is what we were saying earlier, that there's plenty in the scripture in the scriptures to help us have an appropriate relationship with creation. But for some reason, we just haven't appropriated those. The incarnation in and of itself. Yeah. Okay. So let's get into some of those things. I'm going to, before maybe we hit, hit even on the incarnation, just the idea that creation is a reflection of the creator. Right. I mean, it just has to be. I mean, we think about that with art and other things you know like this is an expression of somebody's personality of somebody's mind right Mm -hmm. and you want of our great artists or musicians and whatnot you want the fullest expression of their art to understand what that person and to understand their art in context right so yeah this kind of skepticism on one hand around that as saying oh no then you're worshiping creation or something we're all i think we're all smart enough to distinguish between the two 
but that there is something all around us that's reflecting the creator's mind or face yeah, within right. everything because that's who made it. I mean, this right. is too, almost too simplistic, but why would you destroying any piece of that is destroying a part of the reflection that right, you will no yeah. longer have in some way. You know, it's just it's primary source material right, <laughs> that right. we're throwing out because it's, you know, inconvenient or somehow not worth saving, but it's God's handiwork. Like, I wouldn't be like, this is a lesser Picasso. So right. it it can just be in the trash or I'll cut I mean, out the canvas and use it for something else, you know. In that sense, creation is sacred because it reveals mm -hmm. the divine. Yeah, I agree yeah, entirely. Yeah. So that in and of itself should be sufficient for us to seek to uh, live within creation in a way that honors God. Yeah, I mean, that's a call to conservation in my mind. You mm -hmm. know, it doesn't, when, when we're even talking about like, you know, some variety of snail or slug or whatever is the most insignificant of the creeping things that creep right that could be lost because of its loss of habitat or due to something us. else yeah due to us like that should matter because it is a part of god's handiwork right um, and losing it means losing some part of a glimpse of who that god is because god made it whether or not i like it the mosquitoes. thing that it is, mosquitoes and zucchini, whether or not I care for it, there's something maybe to be gleaned there or meditate on, or I believe yeah. there is because I believe I still love the one who made those things. There you go. Um, so there's that. And then, as you said, let's talk some about the actual incarnation. Well, just the idea that the eternal and infinite would enter time and space mm -hmm. that immediately makes anything in time and space sacred just on that account alone. Yeah. Um, and then the, the, the whole idea that the goal is the reconciliation of all things through Christ. You know, this is iterated that everything in heaven and earth is reconciled through Jesus Christ. So that's just more reason why we should seek to have a particular kind of relationship with creation. One that doesn't look like kind of how we, we tend to approach creation as if it's there to serve us kind of back to that dominion thing, but I don't, we're missing something vital there. And it's, it's like sawing off the branch you sit on. Yeah. 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 I wondered a couple of days ago, like, is it too heady to, because of the, be, mostly because of the reactions that I get from a Sunday school class or other places when I try to mention, you know, this idea of the incarnation of the creator stepping into creation, like how mind blowing that is and how transformative that moment must be. Uh, and the very idea that that has to have reshaped dna or replenished the 
resuscitated the image of of God within us and throughout creation. Um, how transformative that is. And I thought maybe some folks just aren't ready for that. <laughs> it's like the, <laughs> it's like the Back to the Future thing, where I'm like, oh, oh but yeah. your kids are gonna love it. <laughs> yeah, when he plays, uh, yeah, Johnny yeah. Be Good, he I think it is. But yeah. when, um, then thinking about you know just the more maybe even more basic idea of the fact that this world is the realm of salvation, mm-hmm. whether that is from Genesis 1, the creation account, uh, this world being our habitat, the place where we were meant to walk with God in the cool of the evening and be in this deep intimacy, uh, this place where God comes to us again, time and time and time again throughout the Hebrew scripture, and then in this very particular way in the incarnation of Jesus Christ, and then the promise of a return and an establishment of paradise again Mm -hmm. here right nowhere else but here again to say that it's it's this world that matters it's this world that god has always Mm -hmm. called good and keeps reaffirming as good and i was thinking about that and then i was thinking about the things that we do preserve and that people fight about preserving in particular (laughs) you know we're both working and living within the vicinity of richmond and things you know these constant bickering around like confederate monuments and things which are literally less than 100 years old most of them right uh so in the scale of human history like who cares um but the fact that we preserve also like battlefields Mm -hmm. which if you go and you visit one there's nothing to see there (laughs) (laughs) i mean there isn't it's an empty field it was a field and now it will always remain a field because mm-hmm. one time something in happened. the last two or three, yeah, 200 years or so, something happened of some significant. So and we're so going to preserve that land. That way. Right. Yes. And, and the land can't be used for anything else. Mm-hmm. And it's seen as a sacred space, regardless of you know, whether there are folks actually buried there or not, but because of the history and the particular thing that happened at that place, mm-hmm. it's seen as worthy as preserved. And then we live in a world. <laughs> <laughs> but the rest of creation, eh, not a big deal. We live in a world in which God <laughs> chose to create us, uh, to redeem us and sustain us. Yeah. And that's like not enough worthy of preservation right that god was like this world matters 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 this is a place that happened within human history (laughs) right and it happened not just in a particular time and place but ripples effects throughout human history and throughout Mm -hmm. the known world in cosmos and why are why can't we give the same energy (laughs) to preserving the world in which that kind of event happened in which our own salvation happened. Yeah. We're not giving the same energy to that as we are to the a spot Confederate, or that spot. Yeah, yeah. A, a literal, you know, the whole field. thing. The yeah. whole thing is sacred. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Tell them, push it, Charlotte. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I agree with all that we're saying but i also i'm like what exactly should we do (laughs) yeah no i think that's the other part that's so overwhelming is because 
it's been thrown back to us as individuals too much, you know, where it's like, oh, you have to like recycle, don't use straws, uh, don't use disposable plastics. You know, I mean, all the things, conserve energy, all these things that mm-hmm. we talked about. Um, but I am keenly aware, <laughs> as are you or nearly anybody else, that I would do all those things, you guys. Hold on. But me throwing away or recycling a plastic bottle uh-huh. is a minimal to no impact when there's these industries just pumping out yeah. Yeah. literal toxins everywhere. Yeah. And that's really disheartening. I mean, just the packaging of food. Yeah. I know. Uh-huh. My dad brought home some lettuce yesterday, and it's <laughs> it's been packaged as like individual leaves that are then in this big plastic clamshell and it's just iceberg lettuce it's not even like fancy oh yeah lettuce or something so instead of just a head of iceberg lettuce and you can peel off the leaves that you want it's been (sighs) disassembled and then put in yeah why yeah but it looks you know it looks beautiful it's very aesthetically pleasing you wouldn't have to wash it whatever but it's just trash on trash yeah i think there must be a connection between kind of these negative uses of the dominion mandate and the um doctrine of discovery oh yeah tied into both is this kind of idea of like creation or the land is for christians period Mm, right And so if it's not inhabited by Christians, it's not inhabited by anyone. Right? The dominion's not being fulfilled. Uh-huh. Was part is part of that right. argument with kind of then the land is just vacant and we can get in there and do as we will with it also. But that that's also seeing creation as being a gift that, you know, only profits a few then. Right. Mm-hmm. Not a gift for all of humanity for all of for all of creation it's a gift of creation to itself too right i think we too often forget that we're creatures <laughs> that we're part of this scheme part right? of creation yeah um but then that comes in this you know idea of you know, when you see these arguments around like pipelines and things where, you know, people mm-hmm. are saying there's a high potential that it's going to destroy or harm part of our water or other parts of our ecosystem. And it's like, yeah, but mm-hmm. you're just in the way <laughs> because <laughs> it's, you know, it's, this isn't about you. This is about us getting, you know, this yeah. oil from one place to another. And that's, right. that's the mission. And that's what matters, not not anyone else those things aren't taken into account yeah but creation is a gift to all of humanity to oh. all of creation it's not a commodity that's supposed to profit a few um no and god you know in the genesis passages or when god repeats the same mandates after the flood in genesis 9 to noah his family, <laughs> right. i mean Try those, again. both of those instances are literally addresses to all of humanity. Mm-hmm. To all of humanity, right. 
it's not like let me pull Abraham aside and say this or let me you know yeah this is to Jacob and his descendants forever it's to the only humans in paradise it's to the only human family you know on the face of the earth in Genesis 9 yeah and now that we've messed it up the attitude has become well Jesus is coming back so it doesn't matter Come on, why man. Are we, and doesn't he say all that stuff about like you don't know when I'm coming back, so you should have the house yeah. in order? Have the house in order. There you go. Not you don't know when I'm coming back, so just you know whatever, and I'll see y'all later. I hope it works out. This is gonna it's gonna be like mom and dad have come home from vacation too early, and we had a high school rager down here and absolutely trashed the whole house. You know, we have this commandment to love our neighbor, but apparently we interpret that in a very myopic way because we don't think forward more than a generation or two. We don't think Mm -hmm. about humanity 50 years from now, which is hard to do. Well, more than that, 100 years from now, which in a sense is hard to do, but it's not that hard. Right. I mean, my great grandfather, so, you know. Um, and and I'm sure the command includes future people. <laughs> Doesn't it? How can it not? Right, right. So our command to love our neighbors, ourselves, or to love as Christ loves us includes future people. So we're, we're really neglecting. We're really falling down on that. If we're using creation just to our benefit without the foresight of our other people going to be able to live hmm Yeah. Are they going to be able to live? It's actually become a deep and very real question yeah. now, right? And that's beyond even, are they going to be able to see these particular species or these, you know, flowers, native flowers that you and I get to see, you know, again, to talk about the way that creation mirrors the creator, that those things will be lost to them. But literally, are they going to be able to survive? To survive. That's where we are in the what does it mean to love your neighbor game? Yeah. Will they or won't they survive? They, these aren't nuanced <laughs> arguments that we're <laughs> no. supposed to, gee, I wonder on what sides of this we should be leaning. Like, we're not even at what 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 would be the means of flourishing life? We're at people need water to drink. They have to have clean air. Yeah. They have to have land that's... That, yeah, the superstorms and everything else that are threatening everybody, even now, it's just going to get worse. I mean, it's hard to know what to do, but it's not a mystery that we need to do something. Right. And the fact there are a significant number of confessing Christians who don't even care or think it's a ruse or think it's not a reality, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. It's a problem just in the simple commandment to love your neighbor Mm -hmm. and maybe bringing it back to you know this idea of other uh big issues that we're preaching and teaching about trying to deal with right now all of those i think are intersectional with the environment too i mean if you really care about racial justice the disparity of who is going to suffer Uh, as the environment is being trashed, ultimately is falling upon black, brown, and indigenous people. Right. 
um, the global South as a whole that we have reaped and mined to nothing in some cases, right? right. It's like the deforesting the Amazon isn't actually our problem because it's not here. You know, if you care about poor people, Mm-hmm. Who is going to suffer around these, you know, ecological tragedies? You know, right. who has, who has the means to, you know, when the next hurricane comes to Florida and they give an evacuation order, people who stay behind—they're not just the ones who are maybe full of hubris or something else. People can't leave. Yeah, they do not have the economic or other means to to leave to flee that. Um, and so they suffer and they suffer too, as their land is further submerged underwater and is susceptible to more and more flooding. You know, the wealthy buy a different house or buy the land that will soon be mm-hmm. coastal land. Right. Think about kind of another angle is just the stress that we are putting on young people who look at their future and they're like, I have no future. Oh my gosh. I know. I know. I know. I have no future. I'll never retire. There's no social security. There's no nothing. There's just, yeah. How can you live like that? And and what's the root of it is, and a bunch of Christians are involved in this and that's consumption. Right. You know? And I'm a part of it. I mean, I'm not saying that like y'all people out there are really consumers. No, we I'm putting gas right. in my car. You know, I'm, I don't know. But nothing's going to change unless we all get on the same page. And we have that. I think that's kind of the point I always want to make is we have all the resources there in our th- theology, in our scriptures. There's no good reason for us to not be wholly oriented toward trying to cooperate with creation in the best possible way at this point, mm-hmm. whatever that, whatever that means. <clears throat> mm-hmm. But neglect and indifference is not acceptable. I don't think for a follower of Christ, there's just no way. No, neglect and indifference is opposed to love. I mean, right. it's just too, it's too simple. It makes you sound stupid to even say it. I know. <laughs> I gotta think of something more intelligent. No, that's sufficient. <laughs> but I mean, we are called to love God and called to love neighbor. If loving God doesn't mean taking care of the things mm. or res- being respectful of the things that God made, mm. and not only made but gave us care over, <laughs> said, "Hi, I made these things. I'd love for you to take care of them now." And then we <laughs> were like. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. that just seems like a very base level of of love and respect for the creator to be able to do that and love of neighbor has to entail ensuring that the neighbor has the basic means of sustaining life life uh, beyond being able to see the creator within creation being able to enjoy creation I mean, I just, Jesus really seemed to enjoy like being here and walking around and going through the uh, fields of grain. And so why would you take that path? You know, I mean, it's kind of, unless you sort of wanted to be around these things, you know, yeah. 
why go into the garden in Gethsemane? You could have been in another room by yourself. You know, there's something special there. You know, why did, why did Mary mistake him for a gardener on Easter morning? I think it's more than just he was the the person there. You know, was he kind of, was he tending to a flower? Was he bent over a flower to get in the sniff of it? You know, I mean, was he admiring things in creation that led her to see it that way? And then, you know, there's the whole issue around figs, but. (laughs) (laughs) He did not like a fig tree. You know, I mean, there's just even moments, even if it's not like a feature of the gospel accounts, it's like always there in the background. And just that that this world is the theater of salvation, is the place in which our God walked and talked with us and will do so again. And anticipating that means taking care of it. Yeah. For God so loved the cosmos. (laughs) 